Good morning. Welcome to Memorial United Methodist Church. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you've joined us today. As you might have seen last week, or if you're coming now this week, we're in a slightly different setup and look and everything, and that's because the chancel is expanding for the choir. As the choir continues to grow, we're creating more space for them um, by turning these pews from this way to face them forward, and the organ is going to move from that spot to this spot, and um, there's going to be more pews at it. And so um, in our interim, we don't know exactly when it's starting. We're going to all be on the floor uh, to get accustomed to that. And frankly, it's kind of fun to me uh, to see the space from a different angle. I'm grateful for that opportunity. It's fun. We like to frame our announcements in the five practices of fruitful congregations. You can find that in your bulletin. Uh, you'll see and hear slightly different announcements in uh, both mediums. Um, but the uh, practices are, first of which is radical hospitality. We hope you were greeted on your way in the door. We hope you feel welcome here. We want you here. Grateful that you're here. And um, every single person here, every worship service in this space has an opportunity to share prayer concerns with us. You'll see it directly in front of you in the pew. Those prayer concerns are shared with our Tuesday prayer group and our staff unless you say that you would like it for, to be for a specific person. You also on the front of your bulletin have a phone number. It's a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week number that you can call for any reason uh, to share prayer concern with me. I'm the one that receives the message um, with our Tuesday prayer group um, with whomever. Or you can use that number uh, if you're on your way to the emergency room and you would like me to come. Um, use it for any range of things. You'll immediately get a message, leave it, and I will respond as quickly as possible. Um, you can also tell us if you're a visitor, give us any uh, contact information that you'd like and we'll contact you in the format that you give us. Um, one of our ways of helping everybody know one another is a pictorial directory. The, the physical one is completed, but our digital one can be updated at any time. So anyone here, for any reason, if you missed it or we missed it, unfortunately we missed a couple with all the files that we had, we are taking pictures directly following the service. Uh, Adam will do it. It will take you two minutes. And he will not make you do this. He will not make He won't do it. Before I've said, if you're going to do it, don't make him turn and then, and then turn. Don't do it. Just take a shadow on the picture. So he, um, please take three minutes of your time. If there's a little bit of a line, um, we'll get that picture and um, uh, we'll learn more and more about one another. We believe in passionate worship. I sort of gave you um, the announcement about passionate worship. You'll see what's coming. The season of Lent, we're reading a book um, by Reverend Adam Hamilton. He's one of the um, great dynamic leaders in the United Methodist Church called 24 Hours That Changed the World. It's the last day that you typically hear about on Monday, Thursday of Holy Week. And if you missed that service or you were distracted for any reason, you've missed out on that element for, the, um, for that season. So we are going to break down that day um, throughout the season of Lent and see why it matters uh, to all of us. Um, we believe in intentional faith development. I'm going to call on uh, Reverend Bob McQuaid. He's one of our retired clergy that um, primarily goes through the 9 o'clock service. He's going to tell you about adult class that's starting tonight. And as he's coming, I'll tell you that children and youth do not have programming tonight. We follow Greenville County Schools and if there's a Monday holiday, um, we do not have programming. We'll resume again next week. Back in the day, Jay Leno, late night talk host and comedian, would from time to time go on the street and ask questions of people that are usually based on our U.S. history. 
the questions were taken from the test that was given to persons who wanted to become citizens. All those who were interviewed were citizens and graduates of high school. 38% failed to answer the question either correctly or at all. For example, one in three couldn't name the vice president. Four in 10 didn't know we fought in World War II. Here's a couple of examples. Leno asked this young woman, President Reagan said, quote, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this blank. She looked blank. She said, tree? Tear down this tree? He said, no. Uh, bridge, tear down this bridge. Leno said, no. He asked a young man, can you name a country that borders the U.S.? A country? I don't know, he says. Humorous but pathetic, even alarming, that Americans are ignorant of our history. But consider this. In 2012, the American Bible Society survey showed that 85% of American households own a Bible but only 36% have ever read it. 79% saw themselves, quote, knowledgeable about the Bible, but 54% could not identify the first five books of the Bible. And after extensive surveys of top trends in 2005, the Obama group concluded the Barama group concluded American Christians are biblically illiterate. Our church will offer a series of five-week Bible studies on Sunday evenings during the winter-spring season to help us become intentional about faith development. We begin tonight in the social hall at 5.15 with a great study on the life and message of the Apostle Paul led by the Reverend Fred Parker. I invite us to get serious about Bible study this year. If we were looking at Bible study, I would get it. If you were talking about chemistry or math, I would not get it and want, would not want to be asked a question. Fortunately, all of our retired clergy are laid back and friendly and real and easy. Fred uh, just loves to teach. So you won't come tonight and be asked, hey, it's the sixth book of the Bible. Huh? What's the sixth book of the Bible? No, you won't be asked that. You'll just come in and learn uh, fun stuff and encourage you to do it. Uh, that adults start tonight, children and youth next week. We believe in risk-taking mission and service. We don't have a current project going. Mission and service will meet uh, in February and have a new idea for us. We believe in extravagant generosity. We're grateful for a great start to this year, for a great completion of last year. If you would like to fill out a 2018 pledge, you simply let us know, and uh, there are very simple ways to do that. That's all of our announcements for today. If you'll please uh, stand as you're able and join us for our first hymn, number 73.
our affirmation of faith is one of our uh, statements in the back of our hymnal. And once we state the significance of our faith, you're welcome to join us. You're welcome to listen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. first scripture lesson this morning is from Psalm 18 verses 1 through 6. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave curled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this space, this moment, this environment, these people, this music, this scripture, this prayer, this proclamation. Help us, Lord, to focus in this moment, to tune out everything else, to hear your word for us this day. But Lord, as we hear a text of a man who was forced to be quiet, to listen, and to focus, so that he may leave the space that he's in to go and serve, remind us that we will leave this space. We will leave this space specifically designed to help us focus so that we may serve you. Help us, Lord, in our car, in our kitchen, in our boardroom, in our classroom, in our living room, to remember what we heard this day, to remember our focus, to remember our calling. Inspire us this morning, Lord, with the prayer you, sir, your Son taught His disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our offering. You can give as the plate goes by. You can give electronically with instructions in the bulletin. And if you're new to our community, we certainly don't expect you to give. You can rely on the generosity of our people.
Please be seated. Our music leadership teams of both worship services do such a great job of capturing the moment with the songs that we sing. And maybe songs that you know with your whole heart and don't need a hymnal at all. They may be songs that you need to read every word because you're learning on this one. But all of them capture it, and that one really does. It is, I am uh, falling short. I'm struggling. Yet there's grace with you. And that really captures the text today. Just to set it up a little bit, we're reading Jonah. It's a very short book. You could read it when you order your food at lunch right after this. You could read it before your food gets to you um, from the kitchen. It's got such powerful human emotions. It's got such powerful forgiveness and the grace of God. And it collides them both in a way that you um, just action-packed in four short chapters. Last week we read about a prophet a man whose very calling was to deliver the word of God without question to whomever without question. God said, I want you to go to the people of Nineveh, people who have punished your people, people who have mocked your people, people who have owned your people, and I need you to go and speak to them and get them to turn around because if they don't, there's going to be real trouble for them. Jonah doesn't want to. He runs in the exact opposite direction. He gets on a boat going in the exact opposite direction. He takes a nap in the bottom of that boat as a storm is raging, completely trying to turn away from what God wants specifically from him. Why? Because he doesn't like those people. Don't want to help them. Every one of us can identify with that in one way or another. We do not like an individual or a group and if we were called to help them above all else, we would struggle, if not run, just like Jonah did. There's a storm in chapter 1. He tells them, I want you to throw me over the side, and a fish swallows him at the end of chapter 1. Is it a real story? Is it a story that is supposed to deliver a concept to people? I don't know. Depends on the seminary you attend. Depends on the church that you attend. Depends on your individual belief. And uh, you'll find me just about never debating such a thing, but instead thinking about what can be learned from this for us to move forward in our understanding today. The prayer in this story, in chapter 2, is a prayer of very much like the hymn that we just sang, in the belly of a whale. So before we read, I want you to think about four important images that come from the Old Testament. That one being the fourth. The first is the ark and Noah and the animals, which has a similar question to that one. We're talking about raging water, flooding water. We've seen this. We've got better images and coverages of storm on our planet, storms on our planet, than we ever have in our entire life, and that's good and bad. We're hit with it a lot, but we understand it a lot better as well. When we see the power of water, we have not seen the power of water. That story is telling the power of water and a bunch of animals on a ship hoping to start a new path, a new life, a new way. Water surrounding them will take their life, but the vessel that they're in is saving it. Moses, as an infant, is part of the Hebrew people of whom the Pharaoh and his brain trust think there are too many. And so they determine we're going to go after every young infant male of the Hebrew people. And his mother, who just had him, holds him, comforts him, puts him in a basket, 
and floats him down a river. Y'all ever stand, I've, I've been in Charleston a long time, low country a long time, stand in the pluff mud. I was forced to jump in the pluff mud against my will on a couple of occasions. I've done it on purpose, too, on a couple of occasions. You ever look in there and you think, any alligators in here? I'm putting my child in a basket and floating him because that is a better chance that he will live than me holding him. Imagine that sense. That water is threatening him. Everything in that water is threatening. The nation that owns that water is threatening him. But this little vessel is causing him to remain alive. Moses, as a grown adult, is taking his people out of Israel. There's a mountain here. There's water here. There's a raging army, a Pharaoh's army, coming for them. There is nowhere to go. And death is coming after them again. And God creates a dry space, a vessel through which they can go to the other side and live their life. Jonah is thrown out of a boat in a raging storm and is given a vessel, a container, which is a whale, for a time of pondering to understand and to live. You know that all the containers over here at the inland port, I thought that was the strangest thing I'd ever seen on an interstate road sign on 85 inland port until I moved here and understood it. And I told our girls when we lived in Charleston, see that monster ship? It's got containers on it. They put it on trains. They put all these trains. Those trains come up here. The trains go to the container ship. Container ship then, or the um, containment place, that takes them somewhere else. And then BMW gets a part. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that amazing? And my girls go, uh, I, don't, I don't know, is it? it? Do you think it's amazing? If you think it's amazing, I'll think it's amazing. Right? And I said, yes. I love logistics. I love color coding. The, the things are color coded, right, for their company. It's a vessel. It's a container. It's a thing that's taking a very valuable thing across very scary waters. And that's what we're talking about today. Jonah chapter 2, starting on page 1437 in your Bible. If you like to read along, and I read different parts, um, so keep it open if you like to read along. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called out to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and your breakers swept over me. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the prayers that we've prayed, the hymns that we've sung, the scripture that Marion read, all were deeply connected to a reverence for God, which is fleeting, isn't it? Sometimes we have it, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we get it when we're sick or someone else around us is sick. Sometimes it's when we're in a space or it's when we're on a mountain. Sometimes it's uh, uh, when we're truly heartbroken. Sometimes it's when we're overjoyed. But every single time it's fleeting. That's what it's like to be human. We struggle, don't we? Jonah has finally answered God in this prayer. Because in chapter 1, God said, I want you to go to the people of Nineveh. Imagine if that were a text. 
you know, your cell phone has an option where you can say whether you read it or not. Have you noticed that? If you haven't noticed that, then it's set to on. <laughs> and people know if you read your text. And sometimes you get a text or you get an email, you get a call, and you go, hmm, <laughs> not right now. Why would you do that? Tired. Hungry. Can't deal with that question again. I can deal with it later. You've done it to your sibling. You've done it to your spouse. You've done it to your child. You've done it to your parent. You've done it to your boss. Your boss has done it to you. He's doing it to God. <laughs> right? God said, I want you to go to Nineveh. And he went. Didn't say anything, didn't do anything. Just walked away. Ran away. Paid a ticket. Got on a ship. We've all avoided answering. We've all walked in the opposite direction. We all get it. Jonah did it in chapter 1. But finally, there's an answer. He prays to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. I called out to the Lord in my distress. Doesn't that capture it? Are we not most likely to call out the Lord when we're in distress? We're in trouble? Like it's Batman or Superman. Calling out when I'm truly in trouble and I need to escape. The other thing is everything else has failed. He ran in the opposite direction. He spent money on a ticket. He took a nap in the bottom of the boat. And the fishermen on that boat, the men who were in charge of that boat, paddled as hard as they could possibly paddle before throwing them in the water and listening. Didn't that capture us? Don't we run in the opposite direction sometimes? Don't we say, absolutely, no question, I will not God. No, I will not. Sometimes we might spend something, spend money on something in order to feel better. That is the crux of marketing. This thing will help you feel better. This thing will help you be more productive. This thing will help you be happier. So come and swipe your card. Or give us cash. Or give us a check. Or you can pay online. We'll bring it to your house tomorrow. Isn't that something? Sometimes we run. Sometimes we buy something. Now I'm going to encompass um, taking a nap to all sorts of activities that are delaying a response. Um, I love to see... Uh, memes on social media or whatever, any kind of joke where it's like, I've got to clean the den, I've got to do my taxes, I've got to take that thing to the mail, and I've got to make a phone call, so that's an awful lot. I probably should take a nap before I even get started with any of that, right? I probably should rest. I probably, I'm not in my right mindset. I should just zone out and watch like eight episodes on Netflix before I do anything. Right? I'll just, I'll just binge watch something on Netflix and then I promise to myself as soon as I'm done right on it. Paddling as hard as possible. This is a little different. 
This is action. This is activity. But it's activity without the presence or call of God. I'm going to handle it myself. I can get it. I can do it. And if I need you, I'll let you know. Which one of those do you struggle with the most? Is it E? All of the above. Is it D? A and C? Whatever it may be. Whatever the struggle is, you try those other things before you reach out and Jonah captures it, doesn't he? He nails it. Verse 4. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me for and forever. But you brought my life up from the pit. O Lord my God. I got seaweed on my head. Seaweed is wrapped around my head. You ever ride away for fun with children, grandchildren? You ever think one's, you know, it's going to be a fun one, but it's a little rough? It's got a little more to it than you expected, and it drives you down? He's got seaweed on his head. And in that moment, when we have seaweed on our head, and we know that we cannot change it nor control it, then we say, oh, you know what? God, I ought to call out to God. I ought to communicate. Not like Batman. Not like Superman. Come get me out of this. But what a parent would hope from a child calling from college. I miss you. I love you. I have a question about this particular thing. Can you help me with that? Versus what? Hey, uh, I need more money. I need more money. Thank you. Appreciate it. And that's it. I want to listen. I want to hear. I want to understand. That would be the hope in this calling out. In the midst of that, he says, Will I ever again? Will I ever again see your temple? Now, the temple is about 1,400 miles from Nineveh. It's a long way for us, much less for them. And we don't have in the United Methodist Church a central church of which we all hope to visit once a year or once in our lifetime the way the temple is. Instead, we're more like a synagogue which will be scattered throughout uh, the countryside. He's talking about the place of his faith. He said, will I ever see the temple again? And in that moment, we have to ask if he's one of two things or both. Is one, is he broken? Which would be something. So when we truly get broken down and we realize how little control we have or how many mistakes we've made or how many opportunities we've passed up and we realize, man, I truly made a mistake there. There's a moment. There's a moment in any coach's life when the player breaks down and listens. When the student breaks down for the teacher and understands there is more to this world than I know at this second, and you might be the difference. There is more to this world than I might understand here in church, and you, Sunday school class teacher, you pastor, you choir leader, you whomever, may know more than I know at this moment, and I'm willing to listen. Doesn't happen often, does it? But man, it's special when it does. Is he broken and willing to listen?
I don't know yet. Is he ramping up the emotion and pitching a fit because he got caught? Which is also a very solid move. I don't think you'll ever listen to me again. I don't think you'll ever give me another job. I don't think I'll ever see Jerusalem again. <sighs> right? Isn't that a solid practice too? It's not one that it, it can go much worse when you do it. But there's a chance the people that you're whining to or complaining to or crying to go, fine, whatever. So you ramp up the emotion hoping to get a response. Which one's he doing? I don't know. Maybe both. But when he says, will, ever, will I ever see it again? He's at a crossroads of listening to God or abandoning God all over again. Verse 7. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So that's your last phrase I want you to remember. I remembered the Lord. I remembered how much the Lord loves. I remembered the commitment that I made. I remember the opportunity before me. Don't you sometimes get cloudy thoughts? Don't you sometimes lose focus and purpose based on sickness, based on greed, based on uh, 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 petty thoughts, based on people impeding what you're trying to do? We lose focus. And then one day, for some reason, it clicks and we remember in, the, in whatever realm of life that we're talking about. But in the life of God, it goes back to that person remembering the call that God placed on their life and remembering the love that God offered to them. I remembered. I'm going to stop running from your questions. I'm going to stop spending in order to be happy. I'm going to stop napping when there's a job to do. I'm going to stop paddling before I ask you for help first. Which one of those is the toughest for you? Which one is the second toughest? Now, do you need to go from hearing this today and going, oh my word, will I ever look on the temple again? You feel like Jonah. It's incremental. And it's a calling that we have every single day. We're just happen to be in this moment, in a vessel from this world. Fifteen minutes you walk out of here. You no longer have the silence. You no longer have the music. You no longer have the prayer. You no longer have the scripture unless you have them digitally. Can you remember what you said in here, what you prayed in here, what you read in here, what I proclaimed in here. That's the calling of humanity by God. He says, I remember what I have promised. Brought the youth in here today, showed them all around, and we looked at all the um, symbolism, all the elements that draw you to understanding what God is calling us to do. And we talked about the baptismal thought. 
Some of you have been baptized here. Some of you have baptized your children's here. children here. Many of you have participated in a baptism here by the words that you read. Remember those words when you leave this vessel. That you may be a blessing to God and to this community. Whether you love the person in front of you or whether you don't. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hymn is number 361. to this worship service in the cold. I don't take that for granted. I'm grateful to have each of you here. Thank you to everyone who's making this service um, what it can be in this transition. If you need a picture, please take a moment and go to the right and Adam will get it for you. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.